0: It's time to get inside the Giants huddle, huddle, up, huddle, up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we
1: go. Here we go. In the Giants mobile, get them app. in there. Let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants Huddle podcast. John Schmelt with you today's guest, Peter King from NBC Sports. But first, I want to remind everybody you can find the Giants Huddle podcast and all of our podcast offerings on the Giants podcast network presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our podcasts at Giants.com/slash/podcast on the Giants mobile app and on all of our favorite podcast platforms. And now we're joined by our guest. He is Peter King from NBC Sports. You can see him on Football Night in America and, of course, his great Monday morning column, Football Morning in America, which is up right now on NBC Sports and Pro Football Talk with great tidbits on the 17-game schedule and on Zach Wilson. Peter, thanks so much for being with us. How are you today? Everything's going good, John. How about you? Uh, We're doing great here as well. Thank you so much for being with us. Let's start here. Your general impression of the Giants 2020 season and then built off of that, how do you think they should go about their business and what should their approach be this offseason?
0: Yeah, well, John, I think uh, it was an encouraging season for Joe Judge. You know, uh, the coaches in the recent history of the Giants have had quite a few mini and maxi crises, and um, I, I really got the feeling early on, as you saw from up close and me from far away, um, that Joe Judge understands, you, you know, it's, it's like uh, just a natural part of this job that occasionally you were going to have Golden Tate incidents. <laughs> you know, uh, you're not going to be a head coach in the NFL, uh, you, you know, with everything going smoothly. Um, you're not going to be a coach in the NFL without having a crisis of an injury, you know, like the September injury to Saquon Barkley. So I think the thing I like the best, uh, out of Joe judge's first year, basically is crisis and mini crisis management.
1: So now as they try to take that next step in improvement, Peter, what are some of the things you think they should focus on in the 2021 offseason?
0: Well, I think one of the things that is important, like if, if I'm them, you know, I, I like where my defense is right now. Um, I like the construction of the defense. Obviously, you really want to get something done long term um, with a really, really good player like Leonard Williams. You, you want to make sure that you can keep a Dalvin Tomlinson, um, you know, long term. Um, you know I think there was a lot of encouraging things that you saw with some other players on that front you know I would say including uh, including Dexter Lawrence and and I really like the glue that Blake Martinez was on defense but as I look at this team right now um, I think that I'd like to I'd like to have one more corner there's almost the with the Giants, the Giants are like the Steelers. They have this eternal search for cornerbacks and, you know, they've used a lot of good high draft choices, you know, on cornerbacks. Um, and so, you know, I think you have to basically determine right away. Uh, and I think in preferably in this offseason, it's not like you're throwing Sam Beal out, you know, with the trash, but, That was a very inconvenient opt-out for Sam Beal's career last year. You know, he needed to be in to to basically stake his claim on this team long term. So I, I think, you know, as far as the draft and free agency goes, I would really want to get one more corner that you would mentally say to yourself that can be a starting corner. Now, I you mean, think, I'm sorry, Peter, you mentioned Dalvin. But, and I was just going to say, in yeah. most of the rest of the fixes, in my opinion, I, I would focus on the offense this offseason.
1: Yeah. And it's funny. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Right. So we know about the salary cap. You could talk more about that. There's limited funds out there and flexibility to do multiple things. The strength of their team was the defense. So how do they manage now trying to help out Daniel Jones on the offensive side, whether it's with protection or with weapons versus trying to bring back two of those big pieces on the defensive line, like Williams, who was their best pass rusher and Dalvin Tomlinson, who was their man of the year person that they put into the league for the award and hasn't missed a game in four years and is such a good guy against the run.
0: I mean, I think those two guys are must. I just, I think that if, if you are, and the giants, obviously they don't have a lot of, a lot of money. Um, I think what, what that would mean to me is that I am looking uh, to the draft to fix my problems, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, is there a chance that either Jamar Chase uh, or Devante Smith, Devontae Smith, is going to be available at number 11? Maybe not. Do you, do you think that Jalen Waddell um, – after, uh, you know, sort of a checkered last season, obviously, uh, at Alabama. Do you think that Jalen Waddell is worthy of the 11th pick in the draft? I I mean, look, I'm not a huge college football watcher, um, and I'm just getting into the draft. This is right about the time every year where I start sort of plunging into the draft. But Jalen Waddell, probably, probably the third best uh, receiver in this draft, and to me, I would look at at making absolutely sure that uh, if Jalen Waddle, one of the receivers, or maybe Kyle Pitts, who obviously is the tight end from from Florida, who has gotten so many people excited um, about, perhaps John, one of the most hybrid players to come out in a draft in a long time, he's sort of. This year's Isaiah Simmons in some way um, on the other side of the ball.
1: Is there a chance, Peter, in free agency, that either Tomlinson or Leonard Williams aren't on the top of their respective markets? Obviously, they're, you know, one's a pass rush and one's not, so they're going to be on different levels financially. But will the cap issues that a lot of teams have, might the Giants be able to get one of those guys on a? on a one-year deal where then you pay them next year? Or do you think they're going to have to really pony up long-term big money for both those guys?
0: You know, the unfortunate thing is, you know, John, you've got to – I think almost you have to have a conversation with both of them. And you have to be able to say to them, look, you know, you guys are the absolute keys to our defensive front. We're not going to be as good without you. We want to keep both of you long-term. But right now we really can probably pay only one. Um, and so the thing we want to do is we wanna make sure that we have a long-term future with you and let's try to work out how that can happen. Um, and you know that is the difficulty about this time of year, particularly with the cap, um, probably in the, it's gonna be in the 180 to 185 range. And so I think it really becomes a balancing act, um, you know, for Dave Gettleman and his cap team to be able to find a way to try to make both of those guys happy enough so that they'll both stay.
1: In terms of the wide receiver market, Peter, if the Giants decide to go that way to find the playmaker, how many of these guys at the top, are even going to get the free agency? And which guys do you think will get that franchise tag by the time that deadline hits?
0: If you ask me my gut feeling, I think Chris Godwin is going to be on the market, Mm. uh, the Tampa Bay wide receiver. The reason is that Tampa Bay can't pay everybody. And at this point in uh, in their construction period, At this point, they basically have to have Shaq Barrett back. And and again, even if they get Shaq Barrett signed to a long-term deal, I think he's their most valuable free agent. Even if they get Shaq Barrett signed to a long-term deal, can you afford basically a $19 million average for for both of those two players or 19, 20, whatever the number is? So – just my feeling that probably the best receiver who will actually hit the market is going to be Godwin. Now, um, I just, I don't think Allen Robinson's going to hit the market. Um, I think Chicago is going to either pay him or franchise him. There's been a lot of discussion in Chicago recently that Allen Robinson would be a very unhappy franchised player. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But my gut feeling is Godwin will be the best guy.
1: Interesting. When you mentioned this with the cap, these TV deals, it sounds like they might start going down. Peter, could that pump the cap up a little bit more? Or no matter what happens, are we looking at that? You think 180 to 185?
0: Yeah, you know, John, that is a really good question. And, you know, the NFL can make whatever rules it wants to make. They can call the Players Association and say, hey, listen, we're on the verge of, Uh, signing these deals, which are not taking effect this year. Because remember, John, every one of the TV partners has a television contract that is valid for 2021. Now, this is the last year of ESPN. The 2022 season will be the last year for the rest of the broadcast partners. So the salary cap is supposed to be based on the NFL league season, and the revenues in that season. So could the NFL say to the networks, Hey, listen, we, we want an infusion of cash, you know, before say March 15. I've heard that that I've heard that's increasingly unlikely, even if they get the TV deals done. I'm not saying it's impossible. There's, as I said, John, and you've seen this, the NFL tends to be able to do what it wants to do. And I know that there's a lot of teams pressing, please don't make us have a $185 million cap or $180 million. But I think it's more likely than not that it'll end up in the 180s.
1: So, Peter, how do you think that's then going to impact this free agency year? How is it going to be different? We're going to see a lot of cuts now in the next you know, couple of weeks. Is it going to be a lot of one-year deals? And then I can only yes. imagine what the bonanza of the 2022 free agency class is. You want to be a free agent next year, Pete, when these teams have all this money flying around. How do you think this year is going to be different because of the cap challenges so many teams are facing?
0: You said it. I think there's going to be a bunch of one-year deals because players are not going to be able to get the long-term deals. That they really want. On the other hand, teams that have money—Indianapolis, let's say, Cleveland, New England—they um, could make a big strike if somebody wants. If someone is convinced that the top of market unfranchised players um, are somebody are, are people who they really desire, <clears throat> you know, maybe New England solves its long-standing problem at wide receiver and pays Godwin a lot of money. Everybody was shocked the year that they paid uh, Stephon Gilmore. And they said, wow, it's not the Patriot way. Well, Patriots are basically chameleons when it comes to roster building. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't put anything out of consideration in New England. But I think you're absolutely right. I just think that most teams are going to say – To players and to agents, we do not have the money to pay your guy. I was talking to one agent last week who has a lot of players this year, but most of them are not star players. And he talked about, A, trying to get the most money you can this year, uh, the most cash you can, because you either anticipate trying to be a free agent next year or – Uh, Having the, you know, the team basically uh, want to do a deal with you that gives you the most cash this year, but puts, uh, you know, some good season, good, good money seasons into the future with some guarantees.
1: Hey Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants brand, the debit card, security features, and the discounts at the Giants Online Shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at investorsbank.com slash Giants member FDIC. We're joined by Peter King. You can see his Football Morning in America column up today. You can get off his Twitter feed the link, also profootballtalk.com. And Peter, you mentioned that this should be one of the days that we're recovering from our fourth serving of horseradish lathered shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's and if coming back from Indianapolis but we're not. Uh, do you feel like in some ways, and I know you have more contacts than anybody that you're almost like flying a little bit more blind than you are at this time of year, not having that week in Indy where the entire NFL world is kind of there together. So you can talk to anybody you want to in person.
0: You know, John, I know this year, <clears throat> everybody cares about quarterbacks and I do too. Um, and I, I, I thought, okay, this year, if I were at the combine, I would have pulled 20 GMs, head coaches, personnel people, and I would have said, give me the top five quarterbacks in order, you know, going down to Mac Jones. And, you know, so I started to do that in the last couple days, but the more I looked into it, the more I started to think, well, you know, most teams have not gotten to that point yet. They might have set their boards based on film study only, but they haven't talked to these guys. They don't have a feel for these guys. You know, I did something in my column today about Kyle Wilson, the Brigham Young, or Zach Wilson, excuse me, the Brigham Young quarterback. And Zach Wilson, the problem is, I was telling some people his story over the weekend and, and we're so early in the process, they're saying, oh my God, I didn't know that. Wow, wow. You know, like, like you know, Zach Wilson... Um, driving to see his, his quarterback tutor, John Beck, taking 10-hour drives for a weekend to go get two sessions with John Beck all last spring and summer. It, it's, he's got an intense, amazing drive, really. But I, I, I said, well, maybe I should put off this polling of NFL people because I'm not sure that they, maybe some of them have made a preliminary board, but they really haven't made those decisions yet. Those are the kind of decisions you start to get a real feel for at the Combine because all these teams that need quarterbacks would have met with all of the quarterbacks, at least for 15 minutes at the Scouting Combine. Now they haven't. They're going to have to do it on Zoom, as our world is today, uh, this, this spring before the draft. So I just think it's going to be a, a particularly odd offseason. Last year, a lot of it was done – virtually too, but NFL teams did have the full combine last year and that's just not going to happen this year.
1: Peter, just two more questions. You mentioned quarterbacks. What's the next big move that's going to happen in free agency? We've seen the Stafford move, the Wentz move, uh, the Goff move. What's the next you know, big thing that's going to happen that spurns on free agency or Are we kind of done right now with, with the big moves at quarterback with Houston kind of holding their cards close to the vest and for agency now just about two weeks away.
0: I think we're done for a little while. Um, I won't be surprised when everything is done, John, if uh, Teddy Bridgewater is elsewhere, Uh, but that's not going to happen until Carolina knows it can uh, that it either drafts somebody or, um, that they were able to trade for Deshaun Watson. I think Watson and Wilson, we're gonna hit a lull period right now with them because you know the Texans, and I wrote it last week, they're not even considering options right now for a trade at that position. So I, I think we've got, as of today, we've got 60 days before the first round of the draft. That really is the next milepost for the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson.
1: Are we going to see a lot of trade-ups for quarterbacks, you think, in the top ten, four, or maybe even five going that early?
0: I would think yes. Uh, I would think the teams that need one, you know, I, as as somebody – I mean, as I've been trying to project this, you know, I say, hey, what do you think happens to this guy, that guy? The interesting player here really uh, is Mac Jones. Because, you know, especially I think it was um, – I think it was very, very telling that now you're starting to talk to people who come out of the Alabama program. Um, you know, really, you're talking about Mac Jones in the same sphere, or even higher than uh, the Tua Tagovailoa. Wow! So, so now you, you start to hear that, you start to see that. Uh, you, you know, for instance. Um, the at the at the combine or i'm sorry at the senior bowl this year uh how much the carolina panthers coaching staff raved about mac jones i think he's the real wild card i think zach wilson's going in the top 10 you know obviously trevor lawrence is almost certainly going number one Um, and then you know you have a cloudy picture you know with justin fields with trey lance with mac jones but uh, Mike Tannenbaum told me last week that he said, I, I will bet you uh, what I think he said, I'll bet you a year's supply of, of Starbucks if Mac Jones uh, is still there after the eighth pick in the draft. He thinks that Carolina really loves him. So, it's, John, it's going to be an interesting year because the draft is always more fun when quarterbacks are involved And when there's a difference of opinion on quarterbacks and when a lot of teams need quarterbacks. So I think that is what's going to make the draft a lot of fun this year.
1: Yeah. A team like the giants obviously want the quarterbacks to go. So a better player drops to them. Final question, Peter Uh, this I think is an interesting factor. This whole pre-draft process that I just think is fascinating. Scouts really weren't on campus this year. So you're limited with the information that way. There was a limited number of games. Trey Lance played one game this year, for example. And now who knows what you can trust with this testing. We've seen some numbers leak out of the EXO stuff over the weekend. I know Mark Dominic ran that. So you would hope that those numbers are real. Pro day numbers. I know everyone's like, oh, the guy's running on concrete. You can't take it seriously. He's running a 39-yard dash, et cetera. How are these teams going to adjust their evaluation process, especially in terms of The testing numbers here, in comparison to what they're able and not able to do in the regular season, to scout these players, how's that going to impact this whole draft process?
0: You know, the one thing I feel pretty sure of is no one is going to take a 40-time done unofficially this postseason, even if it is done, uh, you know, at one of these, uh, like an Exos-type facility. No one is going to take that as gospel. When it's done in Indianapolis, it's taken as gospel. But no one's going to take it as gospel this year. So they will look at, for instance, <clears throat> the on-campus 40 times that the players have had in the last year or two. And they probably, I'm guessing, are going to round them off. You know, <clears throat> if you have a wide receiver who on campus is played, let's say he's played for two years and on campus has run a 446 and a 4 4 and all of a sudden, you see him, he ran a four-three-two. You are going to say, okay, let's, let's average those out. Let's say he's whatever. Let's say he's a 4-4-1, okay? And because I just don't think there can be the kind of trust in those kind of numbers. And look, those things are overrated anyway. You ought to be looking at game speed as much as anything else. Um, but I just don't think they are going to take the numbers that are given out this year is gospel.
1: Peter, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, Of course, this football morning in America column is up. Anything else, Pete, that you want to tell the folks about that, that you're doing, that you're working on and and where they can find your great work?
0: No, that's really about it. I'll have my podcast up this week. I have no idea what I'm doing, but that'll be up on Wednesday (laughs) at the Peter King podcast. And uh,
1: anyway, it's been great talking to you, John. Great, Peter. Me as well. Thank you so much. All right. All the best to you. That's Peter King from NBC Sports. And again, go check out his Football Morning in America column. It is up. Great stuff on Zach Wilson in there. Stuff on the 17-game schedule as well. So make sure you go check that out at profootballtalk.com via NBC Sports. For Peter King, I'm John Schmelke. Just a reminder that – The Giants Hotel Podcast is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our podcasts at giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and your favorite podcast platforms. For Peter King, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Hotel Podcast. Stay safe out there, everyone.